0: you like movies and I'm here to say, then this is the show for you, okay? It's called The Best Movie 2 Jamie so don't touch that down turn on your phone. Grab a sweet song, mix of popping corn, from Rosebud to laughter to Jason Bourne, Meryl to Kirk Russell to Dennis Hopper. And don't forget, y'all,
1: this
2: a chopper!
1: Hello and welcome to The Best Movie 2 pod, the podcast that tells you what movie to watch in any given situation. And our guest this week is Nathan Darcy-Roberts. Hi, Nathan. Hey and we've got producer ben in case we say anything wrong uh if we lie or one of us dies live hello hi ben and ben's growing a mustache this week that's exciting isn't it ben
0: <laughs> yeah i know you seem more interested in this than i was uh um, yeah i've yeah.
1: done any research on our topic this week i've just done research about
0: mustaches yeah yeah it's um, gonna be a very burt reynolds heavy episode <laughs>
1: yeah Do you know, sorry to take us off topic straight off the bat nathan but what's your favorite movie mustache uh daniel plainview from there will be blood oh beautiful yeah because he he gets milkshake in it doesn't he so he's gonna <laughs> drink some of it from that have you seen there will be Blood, Ben? yes i have that's sorry that's one of the main things that this podcast is about is me just asking ben if he's seen the, the movies yeah we and then be about. disgusted when i haven't <laughs> yeah <laughs> terminator 2 you hadn't seen terminator 2 no that's not true i
0: had definitely seen terminator <laughs> 2 uh yeah Oh, the best movie mustache <laughs> is surely Salma Hayek in Frida. That's a it's a, it's a classic. That's a strong one. That's a strong I go, competition. I gotta
2: go, go kirk Russell, Tombstone. Never seen Tombstone. Oh
1: well. All right. So that has been Nathan <laughs> <laughs> I'd recommend that. Some good bit of revenge in that. Wait, um, doesn't
2: have, um doesn't like Val Kilmer have like a notoriously great mustache in that? Val has got he, Val Kilmer's the
1: best character in it. He's Doc Hollywood. Doc, doc, Hollywood, Holy, yeah.
2: doc Holiday. Dr. Yes.
1: Holiday. He's one of them. He, he, yeah. He's a doctor. He's a He's not even a doctor in it.
2: <laughs> but he is dying. He's um, Dr. Hollywood. Which yeah. sounds like someone who will <laughs> sell you like cheap speed. It's like, it's like a plastic surgeon who'll give you <laughs> yeah. a side.
1: No, he picks up like uh, deceased sex workers from like major stars flats and <laughs> uh, you know disposes of them. That's not um, the woman not the character, right? Yeah, no that's just Yeah. <laughs> Nathan, how many of the top 100 IMDb movies have you
2: seen? Of the current uh, IMDb top 100, I've seen 89. That is
0: impressive. Is that good? How's that rank? That's, I think, maybe one person. Is that first, Ben? I think that's first. I think I think that's one. I don't think anyone else has yeah. hit 80s. I'm very proud.
2: I've not looked at the top 100 in a while, and there are some surprising films in there. Yeah. Um, well, what, what surprised you? What would you get rid of? Both Avengers. These are two I've actually not seen. Um but <laughs> I like, like really Avengers are gonna rank higher over like <laughs> fucking, like Breathless and like, those great movies like from like Tarkovsky movies, but no, Avengers Avengers Infinity War is better than Mirror. Well hang on, in Breathless, does Captain America catch a spear that's
1: thrown at him in Edinburgh train station and then fire back?
2: Wait. Some of the Avengers franchise takes place in Edinburgh, train, Edinburgh Waverley train station during yeah. the fringe as well. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, yeah, people, people
1: are just trying to get them into the show desperately. Yeah, <laughs> <And, laughs> like there's a bit where they're going into the show and then someone says it's all improv and then they all turn around and leave. <laughs> um, so, uh of these, so you're you're based in London. You, are you were you born in London? No, I was born in Luton. Okay, and then you're like, let's, let's move down to London. Um, Actually, so you, you kind of escape, it's not even really moving, it's, more <laughs> you it's one of those scenarios. Do you still feel the magnetic draw, kind of like the, the way the moon pulls on the, the water?
2: Yeah, it's because um, the paint in my schools were coated in lead, so it's <laughs> a physical like vibration I feel in my body when I think about Luton. Yeah, we used to get them asbestos footballs that you play with,
1: so it'd stop you from hogging the ball for too long because <laughs> you start to get a headache. When you kick it, the ball coughs. <laughs> yeah. um, so out of all the uh, IMDb Top 100 movies that you have seen, uh, which of them would you
2: relocate to a lo- London modern-day setting? The one I'd uh, choose to relocate, and I'm surprised it actually never has been remade. And I'm so- it was actually in the top 100 because i discovered it over the pandemic it's a, a kurosawa movie called high and low which is a uh, thriller about a shoe salesman um there's a strong picture ready who <laughs> is, um his son he gets a phone call saying your son has been kidnapped i'll kidnap your son um and you need to pay a ransom and he's like debating whether to pay the ransom and finds out that his son wasn't actually the one kidnapped it was his son's best friend who is the child of his driver. So it's like this big moral conflict, like, should he save this other man's son? Like he'll lose everything if he pays the ransom, but also he doesn't want to like, um, can't let this kid get killed. It's so in a incredible thriller. It's like, it's it's a, it's a perfect film. In a, in a London uh, version, it'd be fast. your Uber driver, his
1: son has been kidnapped. And if you pay the ransom, your rating stays up. But obviously... <laughs> If you don't pay the ransom, that's going to be a one star from that guy.
2: Yeah. Like the guy will be like a CEO for Footlocker. <laughs>
1: yeah. At least like when the you can't really get any dramatic car chases in a London based thriller like that, because it will be stuck in traffic or you'd have like just stop oil <laughs> stood in the way. Well, there's a really um,
2: thrilling set piece um, on a train. So I feel that that's the perfect opportunity to um, really capitalize on the newly opened Elizabeth line. <laughs> just everybody going, oh, this is my first time. On- <laughs>
1: <laughs> Taking selfies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would have gone with Interstellar. I think just every single scene from Interstellar, but it's all in London. So it's just about a guy that leaves his family. <laughs> <laughs> and the bookcase scene is at the British Library. <laughs> yeah. But he's just, like, drunk, drink, drinking bleach, pushing books through. <laughs>
2: um, Sweet. I, mean, I used to work at the British Library quite a lot. I used to write out there. And you really do see the the polar, the, like, each side of the spectrum of the highs and lows of society. Like, there's <laughs> a lot of people, like, training to be, like, lawyers. Like, people who, like, you can just smell, like, how intelligent they are coming off of them. And also, fucking lunatics. I saw it, like... <laughs> Wearing, um, uh, I think, as a red, it was a red, balacl- yeah, red bandana on his foot, which I'm pretty sure is a symbol of either the Bloods or the Crips. And I don't know what he was doing in fucking King's Cross. And he would sit there and hum, and wait for someone to make eye contact, as if to be like, "You're making a lot of noise for the library," and then just give them a look as if to say, "You are moments away from death." Oh wow, that's a
1: film right there. But <laughs> <laughs> he just gets arrested. I say someone calls. Cause someone's very passive aggressive and is like, "You're not supposed to make that noise in this library," and then calls the police on him. I thought when you said a red badana, I thought maybe it's like uh, you know when Raphael uh, sometimes goes out. Raphael from the Teenage Mutant Turtles sometimes (laughs) he goes out in disguise. Maybe (laughs) it was it was just him in a trench coat reading up on like, "Did this ever happen to any female turtles, or are we just destined to grow up as teenagers alone?" (laughs) <laughs> just
2: eating pizza and masturbating. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> one one ideal teenage, life. <laughs> <laughs> but the teenage um, mutant Ninja Turtles are incels by that very nature. Oh, they, yeah. were to, they were trying to bang April O'Neill, but I, I, that's, I don't think she was game
1: for that. Weirdly, I watched the original 1990s one last week and it ends with Casey Jones uh, getting with April O'Neil at the end and they all cheer it on because they accept their fate of like, we will never have a female partner um so it's it's that thing of like do you either um you know go outside of your species or do you go inside of your own genes in terms of
2: (laughs) that's kind of a moral conundrum like the one um, said from high and low like that's that's, also like have you seen turtles have sex like it's visceral like I've searched for it um (laughs) (laughs) like
1: the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles yeah (laughs) but then they they say teenage they never say what age of teenage so it's a bit of a tricky situation
2: very legal (laughs) legal turtles (laughs) very legal mutant ninja turtles (laughs) was it like a Joker scenario where they they became like they sort of glute fell on them and they became mutants were they originally no they're they're
0: originally turtles that became ninja turtles
2: (laughs) do you know the, do you know what? the,
1: do you know the ooze that goes in Daredevil's eyes.
0: Yeah, it's supposed to be a riff on
1: that. That that ooze dripped down and landed on them. So where you have Daredevil is trained by Stick, they're trained by Splinter. Um, right. It's all meant to be like a riff on the the, you know, something has mutated me and give me powers. Only for them, they're like horrific monsters that <laughs> you'd, you'd scream at if you saw them in the street. I don't know, maybe maybe you scream at blind people in the street. I don't know. <laughs> so today's topic is uh, movies all about revenge and acts of revenge. So we're going to try and find what is the best movie to get you in the mood
2: for revenge. Um, do you like revenge movies? Are you a fan? I like revenge movies. I think uh, revenge movies are like I think horror movies and rom coms in that they're. They're pr- it's a really popular genre, but it's very rare when it's done properly. But when it's done well, there's like nothing else like it. Yeah, uh, kind of like having a Toby Carvery. It, you, it can, <laughs> you can mess 100%. it up. When I watched Promising Young Woman, I was like, this is exactly like having a Toby Carvery. <laughs> that, do you know I I watched that on the plane uh, on ho-
1: going on holiday, and I turned to someone next to me and said, this is exactly like having a toby carvey so you and all your family <laughs> should watch promising young women and uh the the guy assumed it was a rom-com and put it on for his children and then um fucking shut them up though didn't it <laughs> <laughs> for for those that don't know what promising young woman is it's carrie mulligan yeah. yeah is um her friend something happened to her friend and you don't know exactly but something's happened to her friend so she she goes out Uh, at night and pretends to be drunk so that men will take her her home and then she kind of turns on a knife uh once things get kind of out of hand and kind of confronts their behavior and says you know you thought that was drunk, and you think what we're doing now is acceptable uh which sounds kind of like a very bleak drama but it's very funny as well
2: it's really i thought it's really funny i mean what's interesting like it's got quite a weird legacy i wonder like i remember thinking it was great and kind of presented a really great like thesis on um, you know, sort of, on the whole, like Me Too movement, I thought it was really interesting. But people seem to really turn on it, um, and I think the reason was because, spoiler alert for well, yeah, uh, spoiler alert for Porzi young, young woman, um, she dies at the end, um, and people found that it wasn't fair to the character. It wasn't fair to the character. Like, it's almost like the film had a misogynist reading because she was punished within the world. Of the film, and what so there wasn't that catharsis at the end. But I thought that was what was most interesting about it. it. Was like, oh no, that's probably the most realistic ending that there is no justice. Yeah, I guess if for- you
1: if you span that so that it was a kind of a male revenge film, you know, if it's Death Wish where he's going after people who've murdered his family, uh, the dynamic of him, you know, confronting people at the end is he's he's Chuck Bronson, he's he's got a gun he's going to defeat everyone was her dying at the end shows like there's still that physical vulnerability mm. uh, that she's got welcome to our light-hearted uh <laughs> <laughs> the best movie too. No. yeah i do you know what the the bit that really got me was that when you find out that um what's his name the stand-up comedian had the really overrated uh don't Burnham. Burnham. Oh, yeah. oh, de- yeah. <laughs> agree about
0: the overrated but okay yeah, yeah. so fired
1: yeah, I, I honestly his little uh, oh, I'm I'm stuck in my house and I'm so sad and like, you're stuck in your house with all your money and your friends in LA. I'm I'm stuck in Walthamstow with two comedians, so you know, <laughs> it could have been worse, Bo. Um, so the bit that really got me is when you find out that he was there at the because mm. they really they really trick you into dividing these are nice men and these are bad men and he is a nice man and you think you're watching like the romantic comedy angle of it until you realize. Oh, no he's also one of the bad men so all men yeah. are bad which is why i'm i'm not gay <laughs> <laughs> that's the thin line preventing you from a life yeah. of freedom yeah i know it's a net but once i watched that film i was like yeah do you know what all men are bad um <laughs> including my dream boat bo burnham who I wish burnham. One, one day i'd love to go on a date with him just to say do you know that special everyone was raving about overrated <laughs> <laughs>
2: and then you will have become the monster, which is <laughs> yeah. that's the theme of every revenge film.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Even Frankenstein's monster eventually becomes a monster <laughs> that, that they all say he is when he gets caught on that video at the frat boy party. <laughs> um, I'm, do you know, I was having a look because it, it is kind of, when you look at female-led revenge movies, a lot of it starts with an assault and i was i was i was trying to think like what are those empowering ones where you know because they can be triggering what are the fun ones for women to watch that because we've got just a stream of great like heroes who go out and something bad happens to them it's normally like oh my family's dead so i'm free to go kill everyone now you know like death sentence with kevin bacon or something mm-hmm. like that um the <laughs> there's one uh there's one that does have kind of a horrific act at the start but kill bill it's more light-hearted.
2: Yeah, I think it says a lot that um, for female-led revenge films, the light-hearted one is when a woman is shot in the <laughs> head. Uh, a pregnant woman is shot in the head and her wedding <laughs> and spends five years and <laughs> eight years in a coma.
0: And like, finally, yeah. a little bit of light relief. Exactly.
2: <laughs> and like, also
1: horrific stuff happens to her while she's in that coma. The only, the only reprieve I can think is she probably didn't have to pay for the wedding.
2: Oh, she like, got I- lost the deposit though.
1: Yeah, but I'd assume, like, the actual follow-up, you don't have to pay. Like, no one's having that cake, are they?
2: (laughs) I think blood did splatter on the cake in the opening. (laughs) Yeah. I just imagine the caterer kind of, like, pushing stuff over
1: towards the buffet and being like, well, this has been touched, so I guess there is a charge. (laughs) We're already running way behind. This is insane. Now the bride is bleeding out. (laughs) That's I like that because, one, like, the main... The actual main point of revenge is that she makes him shit himself uh and die in that the... you know i always assumed when she does the five point thing where you stand up and you have a heart attack i assume that releases your bowels as well <laughs> <laughs> like they don't say it because tarantino's a classy guy unless you show him a pair of women's feet but <laughs> i always assume when, when bill you know she does that special trick that she learned it's not just as hard that stops.
2: No, there is. I don't know if you've seen the deleted scenes of Kill Bill uh, Volume <laughs> 2. Like when um, there's a close up of uh, David Carradine's feet walking away, taking the five steps, and you see little plops of shit <laughs> fall out of the bottom of his trousers, like Andy Frane's. It's very visceral, but like, it's <laughs> really work in the edit. Well, uh, was that his
1: Tarantino's one moment of going, see, a uh, man's feet as well. It's not just, <laughs> a, I'm not
2: just a creep. <laughs> No, but it's sort of like a, a sort of subtle um, undermining of the beat of man's feet because the imagery is, is making it synonymous with um, fetid human old man shit as well. So <laughs> like, I will give you a visual representation of man's feet, but it's a one for one with shit. <laughs> but that, in Kill Bill, what I do
1: like is it's a trope that you see in revenge films where it's the, someone is coming for us. Like you get them great moments of tension where you see the people who aren't the person getting revenge. And it's it's never like, oh, Colin's coming to get us, so I think we'll be alright. You know, <laughs> it's always like, oh no, we picked on the worst possible person, and now they are they've made a list, they've checked it twice. They are coming to get us. You know, like Dead Man's Shoes, where mm-hmm. you, at no point are they like, ah, we'll have them, we'll be alright. It's that fear that builds and builds and builds. There, I, I like in revenge movies where the best ones, are they they haven't, they tend not to underestimate the person coming for them.
2: Mm, yeah, it's like they, the fact that they have failed to go through with the hit has fucked them all over. That's like, yeah, it's got kind of to you. Every every revenge movie has a formidable pursuer, right? Except except kind of promising young woman because I saw that the, the conflict like she's an ordinary person who yeah. like, finds herself in extraordinary circumstances or irreversible. Don't know, have you seen Irreversible? oh yeah yeah
1: that's a, a good
2: light-hearted romp
1: that's really um, fun um that's <laughs> that's that's a french movie that uh starts with a, a horrific murder um has a, a horrific sexual assault in the middle and then ends because it's played backwards isn't it ends mm. with uh, probably the creepiest thing vincent castle being happy um, <laughs> <laughs> which if you show me vincent castle like well lit um in the sun just enjoying life I'm like something really bad is around the corner here
2: <laughs> or oh, is a Vincent KSL I should probably say I'm Northern so I'm allowed to get away with it but you're allowed it's, it's your prerogative it's but that's what's interesting about that is I mean you don't really know why they're getting revenge because it's told backwards but they are not any ordinary people but I'm pretty sure on MDMA and like drunk at that mm-hmm. time and don't really know what they're doing it's not it's like an act of revenge fueled by just pure rage. There's no plan. Because I think the revenge movie is often they're quite meticulously planned. That's just a retaliation. It's like just, it happens like two hours after the act. It's just a pure... To be fair,
1: I've been in nightclubs in Liverpool where someone's just bashing someone's head in with a fire extinguisher and it's not based on like a huge life-changing moment that's happened in their life. It's just that someone knocks someone's pint over.
2: Yeah, or they said they they think the Beatles are overrated. (laughs) How dare you? (laughs) um i was trying to think
1: as well right a a lot of revenge movies are it's about a violent act that takes Mm. place but could you think of anywhere violence isn't the
2: solution um i do have one which i think i don't know if it goes to murder i don't think the guy does get murdered but it's i can't remember it's called the bad sleep well it's a another um kurosawa movie which is hamlet and it's set in the world of like um I want to say like just the world of like businessmen. I can't remember what they're doing but like uh a corporate like so it's like Hamlet and this big figure this big CEO has, has died and his son has like gone up through the ladders of the company and is trying to exact revenge by like destroying the men who are complicit in destroying his father oh so like corporate revenge yeah
1: yeah that tends to be more interesting when you have that build up and you know they've done something in in the middle act that then you see paid off with like I've screwed you over, and it's not just I was the one who could you know punch you the hardest when you were trying to punch me. Yeah, um, that tends to be a bit more interesting. Um, you know, Ocean's Eleven is a that's that's a revenge movie about a heist where nobody you know exchanges fisticuffs, mm. um, and everyone's beautiful in it. It's when you see Andy Garcia kind of get punished in that. It's it's always nicer when it's someone beautiful who has revenge taken on them you know poor Elliot Gould he's an old man and he's lost all his money and then you see beautiful Andy maybe this is just me maybe I just like seeing beautiful people punished that's why I like Sam Raimi
2: movies (laughs) (laughs) I've never seen you speak about anything with as much passion as you have just spoke about Andy Garcia fuck Andy Garcia okay
1: (laughs) (laughs) when he got beheaded in Black Rain I felt bad for him but now oh spoiler for
2: Black Rain by the way. Uh, i'm trying it's like it's not necessarily it's like tit for tat revenge because i think when it's like one sort of angel of death coming back to avenge a wrong but there's movies like rushmore or um election which is two sort of adversaries who are trying to sort of like um sort of go back and forth and exacting little mind of um things of revenge against each other yeah that that's more
1: interesting where the there can be a turning point of someone saying uh, you know, if you just sat down for five seconds and had a conversation, mm. like, like that's not happening in, you know, the actual film Revenge from 2017, the French one. <laughs> no one's saying, just sit down and have a chat about it. <laughs> um, but yeah, those are more interesting where, as an audience member, you kind of want to go, just, no, just do this, do this
2: and it'll be fine. You know? <laughs> <laughs> or or is, this is, I'm going to put this to you, would you consider, does does this, does this film technically count as a revenge film? And I think it does. There's and... a Bruder film. Yes, it does. <laughs> is that Matilda? Is Matilda? hundred <laughs> percent, Matilda
1: is. Uh... Do you know what? Actually, so I was thinking about this because I saw I'd I looked up a couple of lists of like what are the best revenge movies. I think sometimes people mistake revenge for somebody securing their own safety or securing the safety of someone else like if you look at Django and Chain that was on the list of revenge movies mm. I was like that's he's that's not about someone getting revenge that is about someone trying to protect their wife and if if you gave if you gave uh, him the option to just go away with Broomhilda and not you know see Leonardo DiCaprio again he would be like yes 100% i think with Matilda if you and we're talking, are we talking revenge on the parents for being shit parents, or revenge on um, the head teacher?
2: She gets revenge on she gets revenge on her parents, and she does get revenge on Miss Trunchbull. Some I can't remember. I feel she does, right? I think she murders her <laughs> in a sleep. Is she... <laughs> Isn't it? She
1: she gives her peanuts and she goes into anaphylactic shock. <laughs>
0: uh, d- didn't she commit to her house is haunted? Isn't that the, Matilda, how she gets judgeable yeah. by like making stuff fly around and scaring her and driving her out the house. Cause she convinces her that her father who she killed, is alive and haunting her. And so just yeah, fucked with her head, but not with yeah. her body. You know, so.
2: Which is the oh. ultimate revenge. I think to um, destroy someone um, emotionally and psychologically is way more brutal than to do it um, physically. And also on your um, Django points, I was looking, I similarly was, I was just sort of going through some lists. And yeah, so Django on there, and I think I don't know if this is the term, but I think that counts uh, uh, as a. I'd put Django in um, what I unofficially now describe as his revenge trilogy, which is Glorious Bastards, um, Django, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, where the person getting revenge is Tarantino. He's the one using the film to like exact revenge. So he's getting revenge on. Um, you know, white supremacists and slave owners who never got their comeuppance. Like, and you know, for the ma- majority of that period, he's getting revenge against the Nazis in Bastards, bastards. Um, who, I mean, they, they get the comeuppance, and he's getting revenge against the Manson family in *Once Upon a Time in Hollywood*. I think that's Tarantino is the the angel of vengeance in those films. I think that might have been the greatest point anyone's ever
1: made on this podcast. <laughs> um, so we'll probably cut that. But yeah,
2: that's. <laughs> And the bar is low.
1: That's an interesting boy well, Actually, uh, I, I I wasn't aboard with Inglorious Bastards because I thought it kind of cheapened, um, go it cheapened the premise for me because you know when it when it came out it was you'd read the synopsis and it was about Brad Pitt. is putting he's got a team of Jewish soldiers and they're behind mm. enemy lines and they're just destroying Nazis and you're like that's great. This is going to be two hours of this and it's you know Tarantino violence and dialogue. And also Tarantino violence against Nazis, so you don't have that squeamishness that you've got at, like, the start of Reservoir Dogs. Mm. Um, and then it, it kind of just wanders off into all these different areas that I was like, well, what happened to the... You know, I want to see people in the woods doing that one scene where, you know, Eli Roth comes out with the baseball bat. I just want that for
2: two hours. Give me that. 100%. They barely do anything. Because I, I think... I, controversial, I think Inglourious Bastards is probably... His worst film, pretty low on the on the ranking for me, and it is. In glorious bosses, they do I think two missions pretty much. Yeah. they do fuck all. I I'm with the, you on that. You want to go for a revenge movie, and this is again a controversial Tarantino opinion, but I am a real apologist for Death Proof. I think Death <laughs> Proof is incredible. That's like a revenge movie.
1: Yeah, and that's what's great in that is that you, the the, it's pretty much split in half, isn't it? Of. Hmm. What uh, stuntman Mike does in the first half, and you you see how horrific he is, and then it's 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 kind of like another chapter. It's not you're not introduced to your main characters at the start, so they kind of get revenge for that person that we've seen bumped off at the start. But it's like if 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 that was in the format of a slasher, that person's dying in the first five minutes. You know, when mm. when they kill Ghostface and scream, it's not revenge for Drew Barrymore being <laughs> killed. It's just that they kill them. Um, whereas, yeah, for uh, for that one, uh, uh, death, death race, death proof. Death proof yeah. <laughs> so I've done. I've done quite a bit of MDMA today. Um, <laughs> just going down to a club with a fire extinguisher in a bit. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and also I like with Tarantino. Yeah, I I think that revenge on the Manson family in Once. Are you are you a fan of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? I. I
2: really didn't like it the first time I saw it. I read, I was like, well, I took kind of like a moral objection to it. I thought it was quite a conservative film, but I was like, I, I kept thinking about it, and I was like, I don't know. I think maybe there's more to it. And I read the book. Um, you know, released the mm. like, the novel of it, and realized I'd completely misread the entire film. And I went back to it, and now I I adore it. I think it's amazing. Oh, that's good because I was. I didn't
1: go that far. I just said, Oh, I like that. So I carried on liking it um, <laughs> my, where, where he rewrote history in, *Inglorious bastards. And it didn't work for me. It completely worked for me in once upon a time in Hollywood where it was. Yeah. You know, we all got robbed of Sharon Tate mm. and, and he gave us that moment back and we, it was the getting that revenge
2: on the mountain family that completely worked in that. 100%. Yeah. And it's just about a wider thing. Like it is, it, it's, I think, the most Tarantino movie in a way, because it just feels like you're sat with him in a bar for two hours and 40 minutes, and he's just telling you how the studio system works. The film is basically, the sea, you know the scene with Al Pacino when he's talking about watching the movie with his wife, with the Rick doll movies? Yeah. It's, 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 the film is basically that for two and a half hours. In Glorious Bastards, it just feels too bitty. It doesn't amount yeah. to the sum of its parts. Like by the end of it, you come away, and you're like, that was just five disparate set pieces. <laughs> Which didn't really connect. We spent way too much time with Shoshana, who was such a nothing character. The whole cinema sequence is—and you—you hate women in film, anyway, don't you? Oh, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, I mean that was why I was stood up for the and then a promising young woman. <laughs> finally, that's a fucking just dessert. <laughs>
1: right. um, but no, yeah, you, I think the the only time that glorious Bastards reaches the heights of um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is the bar scene where where. Mm. Michael uh, Fassbender pretty much I think like he'd, he'd acted before but that was like the big Jesus Christ have you seen this guy yeah Um, and that's oh, if you're going to have like a hangout movie which Once Upon, a, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood apart from the end is pretty much you're just hanging out with these people it was that one scene but the rest of it was like what what are you trying to say Quentin so I guess this podcast yeah. is our revenge on Quentin Tarantino for wasting <laughs> my time watching Inglorious Bastards. And actually, the less said about Hateful Eight, hate, the,
2: the better. I, okay, I rewatched it. I loved that the first time I saw it. I had a reverse once upon a time in Hollywood. I was like, I saw it 70 mil projected um, when they're doing it with like the overture and the break and the intermission in the middle. And I was like, wow, this is incredible. So cinematic. Watched it a couple of months ago. And I was like, this is nothing. This is three hours of nothing. There's probably a 90-minute movie in that. or Maybe like a solid stage play. It's awful, worst. It's ter- terribly written as well. But, hateful eight isn't hateful eight. It's hateful four, and Four <laughs> other people who sometimes speak <laughs> more like the poop eight.
1: <laughs> <laughs> gold, absolute gold. That's going to get us in the podcast awards, I think. Um, <laughs> yeah. that, that does have like quite an interest in revenge, though. Um, Samuel Jackson doesn't he? He make a, a racist walk naked, or at least he's telling he's telling the story mm-hmm. to the general about how he met his son and he he says that I, I met someone and i made him uh walk in the snow in the freezing cold and i'm really badly re- remembering this but you know i'm sure maybe this will help engagement if some angry tweeters will be like yeah you got it wrong me <laughs> <laughs> but the, 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 he tells them that i walked your son in the snow and then to give him back some clothes i made him suck my dick yeah um which like that's quite a revenge on one like a racist general but also just someone in general uh, to make them walk in the snow or even like I, I'm in the northwest now, just take them down the canal.
2: <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to think what kind of coat I would suck a dick for. And <laughs> I, I, think I like coats, so the options
1: are pretty open. See, I'm a fat guy, so it wouldn't be a leather jacket, but maybe like if you gave me the Steven Gerrard shirt from the 2005 Champions League final, mm. um. I'll put anything in my mouth. I'm all over it. (laughs) 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 This week's episode, right? That's what you want. That's the real you want to share. Do you know what? There's not many podcasts where at one point we'll talk about the merits of a Kurosawa movie. Um, And then what kind of coat would you suck a dick for? (laughs) Um, We should probably start moving towards like our, uh, our final answer. But have you have you before we do the, like the answer of what is the best movie? Have you got like a a hero who seeks revenge? Have you got like your favourite? That's that. I don't want to say the goat because all the kids say that, and I'm not a knob. But who's who's your goat? The best
2: seeker of revenge. Yeah, I think it has got to be. Um, you mentioned it earlier, Richard from Dead Man's Shoes. Mm. Great character, Paddy Considine's. One of his best performances, I think it's on uh, on par with his performance in a film called A Room for Romeo Brass, which is Shane Meadow's oh, yeah. first movie. It's impossible to find. Mm. Um, but yeah, his performance in that is just breathtaking. I think they show it on film four like once a,
1: a, a year, but like for, for the actual feature length of the film. Like if you jump on uh, film four at that point, you're like, oh, I can watch it, but then it's gone. As well, Shane be- Meadow films should be experienced. <laughs> um but yeah, that's that's. You won't find another character on this list who uh, says he was a fucking
2: nana. I love that line. He was a fucking nana. Lion, or as a fucking. You're right, yeah, here, and, mate. I've got and, you right here. <laughs>
1: and Dead Man's Shoes is one of them perfect. Like it, it has everything that you want. It's got the the guy who's coming for you. It's it's justifiable. His revenge is justifiable. Cool. I think. When that because that does build and build, and I won't I won't spoil it for people who haven't seen it because I think that's one we should recommend for people to watch, um, and it it, it it that's one where it starts out they're bullying someone who's mentally disabled, but it it's bullying and he's he's doing some horrific stuff to them, but in flashback you see that it's got worse and worse and worse, which mm. is great, um, because sometimes revenge films, uh, the revenge is the the means do not justify the ends. Mm. Or, or sorry, no, the the act doesn't justify the ends. Like, for example, let's say a popular franchise where someone's dog gets killed. <laughs> <laughs> I had a look at this. Right, so John, the, the revenge in John Wick is that his, his dog gets killed. Spoiler for John Wick. Across the four John Wick movies, and we'll we'll see, we'll have a guess. See who's closest. How many people do you think John Wick kills across the That's four movies? Four just yeah. John Wick,
0: or just John or, Wick? Or, okay.
1: So you, you can't count his wife dying because we assume he didn't give her the cancer.
2: <laughs> um, well, he has a um, Munchausen's. Uh,
1: <laughs> John Wick Five, he has to kill himself. <laughs> <sighs> I'm I'm gonna think. I'm gonna go two hundred. You're going two hundred. Three hundred. Three hundred. Across the four John Wick movies, he kills four hundred and thirty-nine people. That's insane. I think that includes the the halberry dogs as well. Um, but yeah, if you if you looked at a dog, like I love dogs as well, apart from maybe Scooby Doo who's a creep. If you looked at a dog and someone, and you said, "I would trade the lives of four hundred and thirty-nine people for that," and that's going to be one of the most successful action franchises. Of like modern cinema. Is that
0: justifiable revenge? Well, that's sort of how the British public like things. Like when we had the choice in Afghanistan of like, do we, you know, trying to evacuate all the people who are like translators or people who are like maybe you know, uh the most at risk by the Taliban, and then we went, No, let's get a plane there to make sure all the dogs and cats get <laughs> flown out of Afghanistan just to make sure they're safe, because <laughs> the Taliban are known for being terrible pet owners. <laughs> Like, I think that really <laughs> speaks to us as a nation.
2: John I think Wick does leave a scene, does leave all his um, cars and weapons behind for, for the Taliban <laughs> to use <for> own- <laughs> 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 What we should have done is we should have told
1: the public, like, oh, the Taliban have killed one dog out there, and then everyone can just become their own John Wick and head <laughs> out there. <laughs> no, we fixed the world. <laughs> all right, I think... Well, oh, I, I, what I would say is, for me, my kind of ironic, I- iconic seeker of revenge, is um, in Nayir Montoya from The Princess Bride. Yeah, good show. Have we all seen The Princess Bride? That again, it, I tell anyone who hasn't seen that, you see, because that is, uh, it's the greatest setup and payoff, uh, and it's a it's a cheer moment as well. Sometimes in revenge movies, it can be quite bittersweet when, mm. when the the revenge is actually carried out, but the fact that he. Not only does he, he, he kill the guy who killed his father at the end, and he has this phrase that people who haven't even seen it, you know, hello, my name is Inuyah Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. At the end, he actually tells the fellow that he's killing what to say back to him. He's like, tell me you'll give me anything. Tell me you'll do this. It's not even like the cool moment has come about. He's dreamed about the revenge so much that he's actually directing <laughs> the revenge in that scene. He's saying... Now tell me, you'll give me anything that I want. And he says, I'll give you anything I want. And he stabs him and goes, I want my father back, you son of a bitch. Which is great because when we want revenge, we all have that ideal moment in our head mm-hmm. of like, this is exactly how it's going to play out. And he's done it so much that when it happens, he's saying, no, 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 hang on, you're supposed to say these things to me as well. Um, so that's, my, that's Jamie's revenge icon of the week. Um, right, so I feel like we're we're coming towards our, our final answer for film. Um, yeah, you know, and, and you can choose the same as your your iconic character if you want. But uh, you know, if people are people are listening to the podcast and they're getting in a revengey kind of mood, what for you would be the best film uh, to get them into a revenge feeling
2: or a revenge vibe? I'm gonna give you my silver and gold. Um, silver is, close one up is Harakiri, which is a 1960s movie for, made by Masaki Kobayashi, which um, I won't say too much about it because like, it, as it reveals itself, it, that's kind of part of the fun, but also like it is one of the few films which I would describe as being note perfect, no notes. And it's just about a guy who uh, is, is, is traveling, um, ronin samurai samurai movie he turns up on the gates of a of a, of a i don't know what you call it but like just a castle i guess saying can i commit harakiri on your property and they're like okay here's what happens this happened recently someone came <laughs> and said can i commit harakiri thinking that we would take them in what's going on and then the film's about like what happened in the the, the backstories of these two characters um, incredible, cannot recommend it enough. It is one of the best films ever made. But then the best revenge movie of all time, number one, I think, with a bullet just for revenge movies, is uh, Park Chan wooks Old Boy. Nice, very nice. Perfect revenge film. Yeah,
1: that's great because also the the twist on that a lot most of the films we talked about is the revenge is being carried out by our protagonist mm. whereas this is someone who's having revenge dished out to them that they don't find out why until very late in the game yeah as well and it's also um, physical and psychological in the most extreme ways and then spike lee just built on that with his remake to make a an absolutely fantastic <laughs> i can't give them <laughs> Um yeah oh great so we're going with Old Boy Old oh Boy as our, as our movie Yeah man oh what's your um number one Uh oh, I'd say Unforgiven probably oh, Really Unforgiven is a Clint Eastwood western where he's like an over the hill gunslinger um and he gets he gets hired because some sex workers get cut up um and they they say well we're going to hire some like famous gunslingers to come down and get revenge on them um, which is it's interesting because they have n- the Clint Eastwood and Morgan Freeman don't have any kind of emotional skin in the game um, so it's not like a, I'm gonna fucking get these guys it's just we're being paid to do this but then there's the certain things in the film where uh, they're not necessarily the, the the bad guys that they're going for aren't necessarily the the most evil people in the film um, and there's all, all different types of revenge going on there it's like revenge plus um mm-hmm. So I, I go Unforgiven,
2: and that's like the rare one where, because so many movies are, as said earlier, like about you know it's that the older guys are like, be careful hunting monsters and that like, you might become a monster yourself. But what's so interesting about Ethan character, William Money, is that he has already got he's gone through the reverse process. Like he was a monster, yeah. and he's reformed, and he's like returning to that person that has spent a lifetime trying to escape.
1: Yeah, and it, like it if you compared that to John Wick, where it's John Wick's retired from being, you know, the monster, he, he kind of just snaps back into it. Whereas Unforgiven, the whole film is about watching him go from, you know, he, he's bad at shooting, he gets sick. he's mm. he When he's retired, it's not, a you know, it, it's not like uh, riding a bike wherever it gets. It takes him the entire film for them to, at the end, be like, well, now I'm that son of a bitch again, so well done. You've done this.
2: Mm. And not to spoil unforgiven, but my favorite scene is the final scene where you find out that William Money has actually learned how to ride a bike again. <laughs> and someone comes out and goes, You're forgiven. And you're like, Oh, that's. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, oh, cheers, Will." Uh, so we we're, we're, we're recommended the people, um, "Oh Boy, Unforgiven, um, and Ben's Mustache, if they can. If they <laughs> and, can dead man and Dead Man's Shoes. And Dead Man Shoes, yeah. <laughs> All right, now if we're going to play our character game, so every week we ask our guests to choose uh, characters from one of their favorite actor or actresses, uh, and then we put them in certain scenarios, and you just have to tell me which character you think would be best to help you out in these situations. You can't reuse a character, and you can't say anything racist because we have had to cut out quite a bit <laughs> of what you've said so far. So if you could Can just get the game, I, I yeah. any <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, so who have you chosen for us this week? Uh, I've chosen Laura Dern.
1: Oh, nice, nice. Proper. That's proper. Proper actor as well. Like she, she does a nice mix of like uh, the independent movies that make no money, and then the Star Wars movies that get no critical acclaim or <laughs> audience acclaim
2: <laughs> and inspire racist vitriol online.
1: <laughs> yeah and people can uh find your blog about that um <laughs> after we'll put a link up in this so uh it, it, on theme with the um with the episode which laura Dane character would you get to help you get revenge for killing your
2: dog i would choose i would choose i think laura dame from wild at heart because, so am I can, I, can I be with her in the scenarios? Is she going alone? Yeah,
1: you're, you're with them, you're with them. Yeah, okay, so yeah
2: because what would happen is uh, me and Laura Dern would just listen to rock music and drink and have loads of sex, and then there'd be a big bloody battle bloody battle at the end. <laughs> if that was just your revenge, well, I've had sex, so. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <Are> your is <answers laughs> going to be, to in more. order, Laura Dern characters you most want to have sex with. Because that is not the game, I
1: want <laughs> oh, You I can't just that work that weird. into it.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's a different podcast that yeah. we do. Um, OK, we'll go. So that means you've burnt Wild at Heart. Um, So which Laura Dern character would you get to help you win a round in the Aztec zone of the Crystal Maze? So you're sending her in.
2: Yeah, Wild at Heart one should be useless. Oh, I think um, Marriage Story Laura Dern, where she plays the lawyer. She's a, she's a hard-nosed boss bitch, and she will just be very clear with instructions. And if I do fail, then I think she's going to bring out some sort of, like, bylaws. That means we still technically are entitled to the prize.
1: I like that. You've argued your point. She doesn't uh, well, lose. Uh, no, but then also, that means she's rich, so she'd be on the crystal maze, like, I don't give a shit about what well, I'm doing this for 500 quid. I'll give you that. There you go. <laughs> I feel like she also, she wouldn't take part in like, do you know when they lock you in and they're like, oh, you're locked in there now. I feel like she'd just say to the cameraman, like you better fucking open this door right now.
2: Yeah, then we'd win. We'd still walk away. There we and- go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's just going in the thing and going, well, I'll just take all these before the fans come on. I'll just take all the tokens before the fans come on. There we go. We've solved it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and if you um, prevent me from doing that, then I'm going to separate you from your child and take <laughs> custody. <laughs> and i've gotten you a wig richard
1: o'brien and i will give you this if you give me <laughs> <us the> some money <laughs> um okay which lord dan character would you get to convince your lottery pool to keep the winnings instead of giving it to charity wow. so you've got a group of people that you play the lottery with uh and you've won big on it and they've decided collectively oh we should give this to charity and you you're bringing in laura Dan to mediate uh, you should keep it instead. God, A lawyer would be
2: good in this situation, wouldn't yeah, it? It's in a burnt marriage at heart. No, no, <laughs> sorry. Um, okay, we need someone morally complex. I would choose Laura Dern from, um, it's going be a load of Lynch movies, really, like from Inland Empire, because in that she is playing a woman who is lying to her husband about his infidelity. He does suspect her a little bit, but he's also a great actress, and such a great mm. actress that she loses herself in the role and takes on several different identities. He so wants someone who can sort of like be different things to different people. Like she's got to be sort of like sweet. She's got to be innocent, but she's also going to be, be like a cutthroat. Like, Oh, fuck you over. So like, yeah, I think maybe, maybe she can quiet. cheat on
1: someone within the pool and then that will start the group to divide. And they will be like, fuck it. We'll just take the money and go because I don't want to be in this anymore.
2: Yeah. And she's, she's so, so, uh, Although in that movie, she is cursed and does lose herself and, and kind of has her soul destroyed. No, I think I think Laura Dern from Inland uh, from Empire. Okay, so you're not going with uh, Randy Carpenter
1: from I Am Sam uh, for that Ooh. one. I didn't realise that's a name in I Am Sam. Yeah, is that a name or character description? <laughs> I think it's a bit of both. <laughs> uh, I hope I've not given you a, too much of a clue for your last answer. So this is the last one. Which Laura Dern character would you sit next to on a plane? You just sit next to on a, on a lovely
2: plane ride. Oh, Jurassic park is like, that's the, she, I want to sit with her and talk about dinosaurs. She so was going dinosaurs. Jurassic She's park seen, one, not Jurassic park three. Jurassic park. Yeah. Exclusively Jurassic Park one. Um, I want to hear stories about her husband, um, threatening, um, stout little bully boys with, <laughs> I think, yeah, I think she will be a fun time. I want to, yeah, I want to sit next to a paleontologist. Okay yeah we'll make it the plane ride that they're coming back
1: from after everything's happened
0: <laughs> where, <laughs> where she's I just being like
1: what? You, so, um, you're just you're just on the plane like you'll get you're on you're on a layover okay <laughs> and people have come on all bloody, didn't they like there's so many people died there and you're like well I mean I know they died but we are two hours late now so
2: yeah I'm trying to get to Ibiza. I, I won't. <laughs> I've already dropped. Yeah, I've,
1: I've double dropped in this woman's chat shit about dinosaurs. <laughs> they don't exist,
2: dude. I'm a Christian.
1: <laughs> he buried them to trick us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. Uh, thanks very much, Nath. Have you got anything you want to promote or advertise to my mum who's listening to this live?
2: Yeah, so, um, Mrs. Allerton, please come and see my show, Present Tense, at the Edinburgh Fringe this year. Uh, tickets are on sale. And please listen and subscribe to my film podcast, which is called There Will Be Film, which is a uh, film-based panel show, which is sort of like Nevermind the Buscocks, but about film, which um, I host with team captains, Heidi Regan and Stuart Laws. Oh, I hate them. Um, so we'll probably delete that. <laughs> Heidi, Heidi, actually, massive piece of shit.
1: If you ever come across Heidi Regan's comedy, um, cruel. Pretty, pretty, yeah, very cruel,
2: yeah, <laughs> awful. <laughs> All
1: right, brilliant. Thanks very much for coming on, Dave. Um, bet, uh, just have a wonderful life, I guess.
2: No.